ahead, call the city on me for not cutting the grass because it's part of the Halloween decorations, Becky. I'm tired of all of it. Why do my tax dollars go to fund the fire department? That's what I want to know. I don't even use it. Not once have we called the fire department. And it's within walking distance of my house. I should drive down there and ask for my money back. That's what I should be doing. Because it's my right as an American to have my house burned down if I want to. My forefathers died for that. That's called freedom. What's the worst that could happen? My house catches on fire, and then my neighbor's house catches on fire, and then their neighbor's house catches on fire. Well, if you're too scared to have your house burned down, then don't have one. That's what I say. Live somewhere else. Stop telling me to get a smoke detector. We don't know the long-term effects of these things. The battery goes low, and next thing you know, it's chirping 24-7. We don't know what that does to the human body. Plus, I know tons of people that had smoke detectors, and their house still burnt down. What's the point of that, huh? Sure, they were able to get out with their families alive, but their house still burnt down. What's the point of just being alive? And... I'll tell you this right now. You keep your mandates off my house. I'm not getting a smoke detector. It's my house, my truck. <laughs> okay, then. Welcome back to the podcast. Man, I'm tired this morning. Was up late with my brother in that miraculous ninth inning finish of the Dodgers-Cardinals game. If this is what the playoffs are going to be like, I'm going to be in really bad shape this fall. Oh, good Lord. Slept like a baby, though. Lots to discuss this week. Uh, Facebook is all over the news, and not in a good way. The big problem out here right now is there's an oil pipeline burst right off the coast, and it's where Mark and I will sometimes ride to. And this is like the Exxon Valdez all over again, except it's right here where I live this time. Oil in the water, it's on the beach, fish are dying, beaches are closed, all kinds of wildlife are affected. Like, I hate seagulls. I think they're rats with wings, but I don't want to see them coated in oil and dying. It's a major problem. Not to mention, because of COVID restrictions, there's a line of ships loaded with merchandise that spreads out for miles from Huntington all the way to Long Beach Harbor. Every time we make that ride to the ocean, we'll see ships out there. And the line just keeps getting longer and longer. So, of course, now they're thinking that one of those boats anchored overnight and the anchor got caught up in that oil line. And when they lifted the anchor... It ruptured the line and caused the spill. It's a big mess. I don't even know where to start, so I won't. It's just that we're, you know, we're down there on our bikes a lot. We ride along that river that connects with the ocean. And I saw pictures of dead fish washed up on shore right where we ride. And it just bummed me out. In college, I dated this girl who was uh, attending UC Santa Barbara which is 100-plus miles north of me. And I'd go up to see her, and I'd stay a few days. So one day, 
she had class, so I decided I'd go to the beach for a couple hours. I just walked around, waded in the water, let the waves hit me. And when I got out of the water, my legs and feet had small balls of tar all over them. And it turns out they'd had the same thing happen off of their coast. And one of the oil rigs out there had a leak. And uh, I got back. My girlfriend knew how to get it off of me because they've been doing this. They've been dealing with it for a while. It's horrible, let me tell you. She said there were all kinds of dead animals that just ended up on shore, covered in tar. Certainly wish she'd warned me about not going in the water, though. Whatever. Hey, did any of you catch that interview on 60 Minutes on Sunday with Frances Huygen? She's a data scientist from Facebook, and she turned out to be the whistleblower. Facebook is everything we thought they were. She said that whenever there was a conflict between what benefited the public and what benefited the company, Facebook always went with what benefited them. And once Biden won the election, they turned off these safeguards that they had in place so everybody could fight. But this chick has some real balls. She filed complaints with the FBI. The company's own research showed how it you know, magnified hate and misinformation. She's got actual documents that prove all the stuff that she's saying. And I guess they've got these algorithms that choose what shows up on users' feeds and it automatically will favor hateful content. And sometime around 2018, they changed the content flow to produce more divisiveness. Just fucking evil. Zuckerturd is a menace to society. Public enemy number one. Right? He's like the modern-day James Cagney. Yeah, see? Smash that like button, you dirty rat! Fucking shitbox. What an asshole. Facebook is slowly becoming less relevant, and they know it. They want to engage with young people. The problem is, young people think Facebook is for old people, and they're right. That's why they're all on Snapchat and TikTok. And that's why you hear... You know, they were trying to engage this, you know, this Instagram for kids, trying to engage with younger people. I was never on MySpace. I think I started a page, but it was dull. So I left. Even Google couldn't make this work. I can't even remember what they called that. Facebook just, they had no competition. And I think that sooner or later, they're just going to fold. Nothing's going to come of this. You know, I don't think the government can do that much to them. Try to force them to change their algorithm. I'd like to think they'd fine them, you know, or force them to shut down. It's not going to happen. The funny thing is, that 60-minute segment ran on Sunday night. Monday morning, all of Facebook servers took a dump. Everything. WhatsApp, Instagram, Oculus, all of it. For me... I'm sure that it was just peaceful. I mean, I don't hang out on Instagram all day. But people were losing their minds. Twitter was going batshit. But for, you know, a handful of hours, I think the internet was a peaceful place. And now Jeff Bezos, this guy can't stand not being in the news. He's going to send William Shatner to space. Captain Kirk is going up in space. I think this would have been cool 30, 40 years ago. But the dude is 90 now. He's going to fucking die up there. Bezos is going to be remembered as the douchebag 
who killed Captain Kirk. What a nut. I'm serious. Someone needs to check in on Bozos. How is this a good idea? And aren't Shatner's kids smart enough to tell their father that this is seriously one of the worst decisions you could ever make? What is, what's it going to be like for the other people in that pod when Shatner's heart explodes and suddenly there's a dead celebrity floating around in there and you're light years from home? I'm telling you, everyone's lost their minds. Everyone's saying, look, it's fine. They've tested this thing. Even Bezos went up there in it. Everybody knows nothing's going to happen to the rocket. That's not my point. The man is 90 years old. God only knows what kind of pressure and strain that's going to put on that man's ticker. I don't like it, but hey, it's Shatner. Let him do whatever he wants. And hey, just out of curiosity, how many of you listening can honestly say that you can follow what's going on with our economy and this $3.5 trillion spending bill that Biden's trying to get through? Because I'll be honest with you, I suck at economics. I know a little, but certainly not a lot. I have college to blame for that. I took economics in my first semester at the university that I attended. Our instructor was this dude. I don't know where he came from, but he had this thick accent. He talked really fast. He was kind of angry, militant. And he didn't teach from the book, so I couldn't follow anything. He could write shit on that whiteboard all day, and I still wouldn't get it. So he gave us our first test, right? And I bombed so hard it was embarrassing. I was shit at economics, even shittier at guessing. It's like 35%, I think. Worst test in my life. So the next time we're in class, he's pissed. He's cursing everybody out. He asked, how can only five students in that class score only 75% or higher? Over half the class failed the test, which I felt kind of good about, but I'm sure I was probably dead last. He asked if we were all stupid or if we didn't, simp- we didn't care about economics. So one girl says, look, she couldn't understand what he was talking about or half of what he was saying because of his accent. So we asked, how many of you agree with her? Over half the class raised their hands. He said, look, you know, he didn't have time for people who didn't care about his class and didn't care about economics. And if we didn't like it, we should drop his class. So I did that day. I don't know how many others did it, but I was happy to be out of that hellhole. And I thought what every kid thinks back then, am I ever going to need this information? I want to be a photojournalist. Why do I need to know this? And today, here I am, dumb at economics. I should have, looking back, I should have tried a different class, a different instructor. Maybe economics are confusing because well over half of America simply can't understand the concept or the details. You know, you put me in a lit class back then, history, anything that doesn't involve math, and I'll kick the shit out of it. But my God, economics confuse the living shit out of me. And it's always political, right? So you can't even talk about it, even if you do know, or you're going to get into fights with people. So you know what? Sure, look, $3.5 trillion, knock yourselves out. You know, let me know how it ends. I didn't take much of my education seriously back then, I'll be honest. When I was in college, man, all I wanted to do was hang out with my staff at the paper, party, shoot tons of photos, drink beer, and get with girls. That was another thing, and it speaks to why I lost interest in academics after a while. 
Whether you're in college as simply a photography student or a staff photographer at the paper, back then, if you were walking around school with a camera over your shoulder and you're constantly, you know, being seen taking pictures, girls took notice of that back then. Today, everybody's got a phone, all right? But back in the 80s, only photographers took pictures. And the first college I attended was nothing more than the 13th grade. And there were girls there that realized that they were just there to have fun. So one day I'm on assignment for the paper and this pretty girl walks up to me, starts talking to me. And for the record, look, this never happened back then. I had zero game. Girls made me nervous. And she starts asking me if I ever shoot models. I told her that I hadn't. You know, it was one of the core classes in the photography program and I'd be taking that class at some point. She said, do you think you could shoot pictures of me? I'm trying to build my modeling portfolio. You know that feeling you had the first time you got pulled over by a police officer? You know, holding back the urine so you don't piss your pants? That's how that felt. I'm like, sure. Like, I'd already shot a wedding. How hard could this be? So she gives me her phone number. We set a date for that Saturday to meet at her parents' house. Her mother was going to pay me for it, right? I had to meet her first. So I finish my assignment and I race over to my photo instructor's office. This girl just asked me to shoot pictures for her modeling portfolio. I've never shot a model before. Can you give me some pointers? He's like, we've got a whole class for that. There's way too many things, way too many details to explain. But he, he offered me two pieces of advice, right? He suggested that I, I go to the bookstore and I get some fashion magazines and pay attention to how these models are posing, right? Be careful about lighting. You'll be outside, so bring a diffuser so the sun doesn't throw these hard shadows on her nose and stuff. I said, all right, what's the second thing? He said, no touching. It's unprofessional. I'm like, well, I'm not a professional. He says, are you getting paid for this? I said, yeah, her mom's going to pay me for it. He says, no touching. I'm like, all right. So I get there. I meet her mom. Very nice. I'm polite as usual. She realizes I'm not a creep. I'm not going to molest her daughter. And the girl wants, she wants to shoot at the beach. So she brings five or six outfits, brings a bathing suit. And listen, I'm 19, okay? I don't have to tell you what this was like for me. A guy who had next to no experience with girls. And this chick is gorgeous. She wasn't Cindy Crawford. In fact, when I'm looking back on it, I doubt this chick became a model. But girls like that, they're just used to getting their asses kissed. Everyone probably told her, you should be a model. So I'm clicking away. I'm using Phil Light, whole thing. Pictures are great. And I'm no longer nervous around this girl. So she starts to untie her top of her bathing suit. Let the strings hang down over her hands. And I said, hold on, man. Be careful. We can't show too much. She says, why not? I'm like, why not? I'm like, I got to deliver these proofs to your mom. Do you know, you show anything racy. Your mom's not going to be happy with me. Like, I'm this nerdy 19-year-old shy kid hanging out with a cute girl on the beach in a bathing suit. I'm getting paid to shoot pictures of her, right? This is heaven. And she got flirty, too, which I've got to like, no, I got to back away from it, right? It's unbelievable. I think that put an end to me wanting to do anything but become a photographer. It made me feel like a rock star, both at the paper and around campus. Because then word gets out that I'm shooting models. And I think I shoot like five or six girls that year. So going to classes like chemistry or economics was dull. And it kept me from greater opportunities later, which I have some regrets about. I wasn't as well-rounded as I should have been. But by the time I, you know, I took a studio class and I realized, you know, studio photography, fashion, all that stuff, it wasn't for me. I could shoot outdoors all day long. But you get in a studio 
you got to be able to control light. And I couldn't get the hang of it. You know, much later I got the hang of it, not in college. I was just upset that I couldn't do this. Couldn't shoot nudes because you got to paint with light. You know, you think it'd be fun, right? It's not. It's, 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 you're nervous. You got to put the lights in the right spot. My pictures look like shit. So everybody else's pictures were great. So I just stuck with what I knew. Telling stories with my camera and sucking at economics. But that's how you met people back then. You walk around campus. Now you've got dating apps. It takes all the fun out of it. If this guy put up a profile on a dating app, I don't know which one because the article didn't specify or didn't say where he's from. In fact, in the snapshot of his profile, they crossed out any identifiers, especially his face. But holy shit, is he being mocked online for this? I've got a snapshot of it here. Listen to the list of demands this douche has in his bio. And meanwhile, offers zero information on himself. I'm looking for a woman with conservative values, pro-life, 2A, Second Amendment, and Catholic. Please be 5 foot 4 to 5 foot 7, 115 to 125 pounds, 32B to 34C, size 12 to 16 waist, and size 6 or 7 feet. Be fun but down to earth. Be manicured, pedicured, and keep yourself fairly clean. Your attire should be 80% casual, 20% formal, but be into wearing costumes in bed. <laughs> be trustworthy, present, and also into movies, road trips, and family stuff. PG-13 with all others, X with me. You must also have or love dogs and no kids, 18 to 26 years old. He's 38. Okay, wait, passions. Foodie, fishing, movies, dog lover, coffee. He's 38, self-employed, which can mean unemployed. And the only part of his appearance that you can really make out. He's got this big fucking black beard. And I mean jet black, like a Taliban beard. Who in the hell would post a tone-deaf profile like this? Does he honestly think that's going to work? No wonder you're single at 38. Knuckle-dragon limp dick. Way too much detail about how tiny and breakable you should be. Like appearances mean everything to this guy. Be a clean, submissive woman, right? We're in public. But man, I want you to be a filthy whore in bed. Yeah, dude, look. Prepare to stay single forever. You are not God's gift to women. Not even your own mother. And you know, what, what happens if someone's dumb enough to match up with this guy? He's going to destroy this girl. Self-esteem, out the door. Because he's just going to be one more in a long line of disappointments who make women give up on dating men. And she'll end up with a head filled with doubt and self-despair. Fuck this guy. The short amount of time I was on a dating app, I'd see profiles like this where women would make these, you know, they make similar demands. Yeah, you must make six figures, must be able to support me, must love to travel and be generous. This other one, this one woman said, if your profile didn't have at least one picture of you with your shirt off, forget it. This other crazy bitch said, if you're a dude who's into cats, she's not interested. Like, dudes shouldn't be into cats. I swiped left and gave Clark a scritch. Asshole. Meanwhile, look, I had my own little secret rule, but I didn't put it on my profile. If any of the photos on any of these girls had them making duck lips, it was a no-brainer. 
It's just a continuous series of selfies. No pictures of her doing any kind of activity. She was either in a bathroom taking a mirror selfie or she's out at clubs with her girlfriends. But, you know, she'll say she's in a water sports. Water sports, but no pictures of you in a kayak, surfing, on a jet ski, none of that. Wait a minute. Maybe she, maybe that meant something else. <laughs> hey, Saturday Night Live is back. Owen Wilson hosted last Saturday. And I'm watching his monologue, right? I swear to Christ, I respect that guy for not fixing his nose. He can certainly afford to fix it. And I'm not anyone who has room to poke fun of anybody's nose, okay? Mine could be used as a rudder on a ship. But the tip of his nose looks like someone's butt. It's got this pronounced crease in it. Like God graced him or cursed him with a a nose that rivals Carl Malden. If you don't know who Carl Malden is, Google the streets of San Francisco. It reminded me of something funny that Mark had said. He sent this video of Louis Oosthuizen. He's a professional golfer from South Africa. He hits a hole-in-one by knocking another guy's ball away from the hole. And then his careens off and goes in the cup. What was funny is that Oosthuizen, he's got this pronounced gap in his two front teeth, like David Letterman. And Mark said, anybody who makes that much money and doesn't fix his front teeth is my hero. That's like God gave us what he gave us, you live with it. And I'm sure Wilson has thought about getting his nose fixed. But he won't do it because it's his trademark. He's comfortable with himself. I actually googled Owen Wilson's nose out of curiosity. Turns out he's broken it twice in fights back when he was in school. But good for him. Live with it. It's a reminder not to get into fights. Nothing good ever comes of that, man. But I wonder if the kid who broke his nose, they brags that he's the guy that changes looks like he's taking credit for his celebrity. Hey, getting back to Facebook for a moment. When Huygens said that the algorithm was designed to give more relevance to posts that create more engagement, she was talking about posts that are controversial and contain hate speech and that they did this to make more money with little regard to the kind of damage it was going to do to society and kids that are being bullied and stuff. So it was about money. But I think it's about both. Because if you know Zuckerberg's story, this was an arrogant little shit from Harvard who fucked everybody just to get ahead. He screwed over that pair of twin brothers who came up with the idea in the first place, and then he screws over his best friend once the company goes public. He just screws over everyone. So that's what's going to make you think he's never going to stop. Okay, he's an asshole who is literally ruining America one post at a time just to make money and to make himself feel like he's this anarchist. You know, he's a psychopath and he needs to be stopped. And if it means that everything goes down, you know, like Instagram, there was a a ton of other apps out there we can post our pictures to. If WhatsApp goes down, I'll find another way to chat with my friend Sue in Canada. It's the only reason I use it. But I'll live. We'll live. We were fine without all this shit before. We'll be fine again. But I know what it feels like to be a habitual Facebook user. All right. So when it went down, I'm sure it drove everybody nuts. It's hard when you quit. The first few weeks are tough, but it's just like quitting anything. You'll get through it and you'll feel so much better that you don't have this albatross around your neck every day. Like this. Listen to this. I have to be thin eternally starved. I want to be perfect. These were three names 
of, of uh, accounts that Instagram's algorithms promoted to an account of a 13-year-old girl who had expressed interest in weight loss and dieting. That right there is proof that Facebook, who owns Instagram, is not only doing a shitty job of cracking down on accounts that promote you know, things like extreme dieting and eating disorders, but promotes them. And we wonder why our teenagers are so fucked up. Like, I don't get out much, okay? But if I go to a restaurant or a brew pub, I can guarantee myself that I'm going to see at least one chick shooting a selfie, making duck lips, doing everything she can to make herself look as thin as possible. Disgraciad. Zuckerberg's a mutt. So Ron DeSantis' wife, Casey, has been diagnosed with breast cancer. So just out of curiosity, right, I clicked on one of the posts of the story to see what people were saying, right? Would they be kind or would they be jerks? It was a little of both, which is not what I'd hope to see. I mean, the woman has breast cancer, you fucking assholes. You know, you can hate on her husband all you like, disagree with his politics or his stance on masks and the vaccine, but don't pile on her. Breast cancer sucks. And I doubt they waited until Breast Cancer Awareness Month to make the announcement, but who gives a shit if they did? This is a private matter anyway, and that poor woman's going to go through hell. These assholes call themselves Christians, and they say nasty shit when someone gets sick. So not only are you going to make things political when a politician gets ill, but you're going to make it political when one of their family members is going to go through something. And this happens on both sides of the spectrum, okay? I'm not just pointing out the nastiness of some Democrats. No one gets a hall pass for that shit with me. Try being a human being for 15 seconds and pray for the woman. They did this shit when Rush died of cancer too. Just set down your swords for one day. All right? You know who the real enemy is here? It's fucking cancer. It doesn't care what party you vote for. It's here for all of us. Oh man, I don't, you know, make a joke of this, but there's a guy in Montreal hired a small plane to carry a banner that said, will you marry me, right, to propose to his girlfriend. And the damn thing crashed into the ground and killed a person. Now, I don't want to make jokes about this, but if that's not a bad omen, I don't know what a bad omen is. Holy shit. I have no idea if she said yes or not, but motherfucker, that's, that's got doom written all over it. Like, there's a 7 in 1,000 chance that the marriage is going to end up in flames, Right? Which side of the line do you think you're going to be on? And of course, people are piling on this story, right? It's reminiscent of those gender reveal parties. You know, these accidents where shit exploded and killed a bunch of people. This banner thing, this has been going on for years. This is the first time I've ever heard of this happening. It's kind of cheesy and it's expensive, but women like that. Just some bad luck for that young couple. And on the subject of relationships, you may have noticed that I I haven't shared any of those articles that I read on Slate in a while. There's a reason for that. I'm beginning to think they're fake. These stories were getting wackier and wackier to the point where the columnist was hitting home run answers, right? Like to begin with, everyone who writes in is anonymous. They sign off with a name that sums up their problem, like confused or unsatisfied in the sack, that type of shit. But I started reading some stories that didn't even make sense. or were so riddled with setups for the columnist, it seemed like they were purposely teeing themselves up just to get hammered. I'm not saying they're fake. 
I said they seem fake to me. Everyone's got at least one hang-up in the bedroom, okay? But some of these people, they've got like four pieces of large suitcases filled with bullshit. Like, go see a fucking therapist instead of getting free advice from a blogger. I started to wonder if they were coming up with these scenarios because they're sure that there are couples out there who are suffering the same plight or something. Like, this girl said her boyfriend stalked her for a year before they dated, but she's still in love with him. Really? Women find out a man is stalking them? They usually leave skid marks they're out of there so fast. No one wants to date Jeffrey Dahmer's cousin, okay? My husband says he can't love me like that, but he wants to have kids like a guy gets married to a woman but doesn't want to have sex with her but still wants children. You know any dudes out there like that? The fuck kind of messed up situation would that be? Here, I'm going to read that one. Hold on. There it is. After going to premier's counseling, my boyfriend admitted that he thought he loved me, but after listening to us talk, he realized that his feelings for me were not the same as most people. He enjoys my company and would miss me if I died, but wouldn't be devastated. I married him anyway. I thought I could fix him, but I couldn't. Despite that, I am happy. I love him and he treats me well. We have fun all of the time. I was worried he would cheat or leave me, but he says he doesn't think he is capable of loving anyone like that and that our situation is beneficial enough. He can't see any good reason to put put it on the line. He likes me. We have a lot in common and divorce is very expensive and stressful. Honestly, he loves you, but admits that he doesn't have the same feelings as most people and doesn't want to lay pipe in the bedroom and you married him anyway. Get the fuck out of here. Are there people who go into marriage with blinders on? Of course there are. And it's a situation as obvious as this, where the correct answer is divorce or annulment. You actually have to write into a relationship column to get the answer that's right under your nose? Are you that stupid? Sorry, don't buy it. She didn't have at least one girlfriend who told her to run from this situation. Like I can always just read these on the show and riff on them for entertainment purposes because I rarely like the advice they give people anyway. In fact, I stopped reading the advice after a while because it just irritated me. Pompous bullshit. And this stuff, it's just too far-fetched. I just want to believe these stories are true because it's fun to read just how messed up people can manage to make their lives. And you watch. In a few months, there's going to be a letter from a girl saying that her boyfriend proposed to her by hiring a plane, carrying a banner, saying, will you marry me? But it crashed to the ground in a ball of flames, but she said yes anyway. Now she's not so sure she could go through with it because she thinks the relationship is doomed. How much you want to bet that letter appears on Slate? No one's that lame. And that whole story regarding the Texas abortion law, holy shit. You know, now I know how rumors and conspiracy theories start. I watch Good Morning America over coffee sometimes. And they were reporting about this federal judge who blocked Texas's abortion bill. He wrote like a 103-page statement, basically crapping all over the ban. So the girl who's reporting the story is pulling quotes from his statement, going on and on about how preposterous the whole thing was. And, and get this, how they were deputizing citizens to target women who got illegal abortions, the doctors who performed the abortions, and the clinics that provided you know these abortions. They were offering a bounty of at least $10,000. So I hear the words bounty, deputizing, and targeting, and I realize it's Texas, where people walk around with guns in their holsters. And I immediately think, 
Did they pass a ruling saying it was okay to shoot women and doctors who broke the law? Because that sounds ridiculous, but it's Texas, so who knows how serious they are. And I'm picturing a state full of Barney Fifes walking around with, you know, walking around these abortion clinics with a pistol on their hip, you know, and so I went back. I looked at the breakdown of Texas's law on abortion, right? Yes, they were deputizing citizens and offering a bounty of $10,000 or more to actually sue doctors, clinics, and the patients because Texas didn't have the authority to prosecute, right? Or to sue them. But its citizens could do it, and then the state would pay them for it. And I'm glad I read that, right? Because my first inclination was to come unglued, to think that the state of Texas was going to pay people to shoot doctors blew my mind. Now, imagine I hadn't gone back and read that. Instead, I go on social media, I start talking about bounties and deputizing people to target clinics and doctors, and then word spreads that Texas is paying people to shoot doctors. This is why it's important to read and not get your news from knuckleheads who spread bullshit lies on social media because they heard a news report that they didn't fully understand and then interpreted it the wrong way. Earth is flat. Hitler's alive, lives in Argentina. Vaccine makes your balls fertile. Hoffa's buried under giant stadium. Texas is paying citizens to kill people. Razor blades and Halloween apples. Alligators live in the sewers of New York City. Pop rocks and Coke will make your stomach explode. Look, I actually tried that one year. My girls came home from school one day. It was around Halloween and told me this rumor that they'd heard. I said, okay, let's prove it wrong. So they loved Pop Rocks. So I bought a few bags and I got some Coke, which, by the way, is fucking horrible. I put a mouthful of Pop Rocks in my mouth, chased it down with Coca-Cola, swallowed it. Nothing happened. But man, did I belch. My God. Sounded like a tiger with his balls in a vice. Here's a rumor that's actually true. I'm out of time. That's the show for the week. Keep yourself safe. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been an Salute. Salute.